Achieving Exceptional Performance, Shared Insights. Welcome to All Things Intriguing with your host, Dr. Raymond L. Newkirk. That's me, Achieving Exceptional Performance, Episode Number 8, Employing Abundant Applied Intuitive Solutions to Rapidly Solve Performance Problems. Boy, that's a mouthful, isn't it? I don't know where I come up with some of these titles. So we're going to talk about Applied Intuitive Solutions to rapidly solve performance problems because we're talking about developing exceptional performance, delivering that. So what is an applied intuitive solution? You know what that is? That's a solution that's been applied many times before. They're evidence-based. They agree with your intuition, but they're not necessarily intuitive, but they'll make sense to you. But they were hard fought, hard fought. They were developed. They came from projects where they were really applied. They're multicultural. They were applied in many different cultures based on some uh, discoveries made about problem solving that are emotional and psychological. And they will assist you with rapidly solving performance problems. All problems, believe it or not, are performance problems, right? Organizations spend a considerable amount of time on problem solving. We've talked about that. Even for the same problem that reoccurs yearly, with the same or different colleagues. Problems seem to never go away. You ever notice that? You'll say, wow, haven't we been here before? Uh, we just solved that. When was that? Oh, three years ago. Well, how did we do that? Well, you know, a lot of things just repeat themselves in life, huh? Demands of current business competition require teams to adopt a more rapid process of problem solving based on evidence. The big talk today is evidence-based solutions. If we have evidence that solutions have worked, that's a head start. We need to speed it up. We're spending more money on problem solving than we are the cost of operations. We've got to fix that. The old six to eight step process of problems, problem solving needs to be replaced by something that closes the gap between problem definition and problem solution. Or how does experts say it? They'll say, we have to close the gap between problem definition and solution definition. Yeah, that's a bit wordy, isn't it? To resolve this scenario, people adopt the Rapid Solutions mobile platform. Yeah, that's a platform out there that allows you to create in real time solutions based on evidence that came from around the world that have been used time and time again to solve the same are very similar problems time and time again. They work. They're very potent. Okay. They reduce the amount of time you spend in problem solving. Therefore, you reduce the money, especially if you come up with the right solution for the right problem. One of the things it does for you is it helps you really define your problem situation much quicker because you can look at it right there and say, oh, that's not what we really mean. Because you'll look at a problem statement. You'll find a solution. And you know right away if it makes sense or not. You know, over half the battle, at least half the battle of problem solving is problem definition. No kidding. So that's where we're at. We're at, yeah, the place where everything happens. Okay? We have to apply intuitive solutions to rapidly solve performance problems. That gets you the next competitive edge. Can't waste time on the same old problems with the same solutions that we dealt with year after year after year. With, of course, often different people, but it's often the same person. They'll forget that they solved that problem already. They don't even know why it keeps coming up. So we really have to think deeper, broader. We have to learn to become smarter, be more intelligent. I mean, are you... You know about all the talk about intelligent machines coming. SMI has, our company has an intelligent platform. Got terabytes and terabytes of smart solutions. It took 50 years to develop that. 50 years. Okay. Not a lot of the stuff we're talking about androids. And I don't mean the phone. I mean the human-like robots. Right? Talk about stuff like that. You know, some of these things are going to learn to program themselves and find and create their own solutions. 
which they hope will be superior than ours. Would that be something when robots rule the world? Would we certainly let it get to that? We certainly would. You know, think about where you are now in the United States. Did you know your farms are being sold to the Chinese and the Chinese are buying tens of thousands of acres of farmland in the United States? Yeah, America, everything's for sale. Isn't that awful? Loyalty went down the drain with some people years ago. These guys out there aren't even thinking about the future of the company. See, that's a problem, isn't it? How do you solve that? Legislation. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are people in this world that belong to cultures that historically think about the long term. One time I was in Saudi Arabia and I asked a prominent Saudi, what do you think about the Crusades? You know what he said to me? I don't know. It's too early to tell. It hasn't been resolved yet. That was 1984. I'm talking about the Middle Ages. I'm talking about the Crusades, man, where all the Christians went from Europe to the Middle East to protect Christians. I mean, you had problems in Spain. You had Turkey going all over the place, trying to take over Vienna. You had a lot of stuff going. Thank goodness for the King of Poland, right? Or they'd be speaking Arabic in Vienna. There'd been Mo, no Mozart, all right? Think about this. These are things that are happening in this world. There are people that think short-term, duh, USA, and there are people that think long-term, where they think a thousand years is not long, right? Different cultures, different mindsets. We have to be broad and deep in our thinking. Because these things are happening. A lot of people have ideas based on the things they think are the way things are, but they don't really know. A lot of it is just opinion. So we have to come up with rapid solutions that are accurate, that work in multi diverse cultures. And that's where we're going. So we have to think about that. We have to think about the world is changing rapidly. And there are a lot of smart people. We're not the only smart people in the world. There's some people way ahead of us and the things that they're thinking about that are dangerous. I mean, you got the Russians, well, the Russian leaders, not the Russians, but the, the leaders of the Russian party are talking about even using nukes in the Ukraine. Wow. I mean, to even talk about that puts a chill down my back. I mean, there are dangerous people in charge of big countries. You know, and they look at you and us differently. They look at how we view the world differently. They feel different about human life. I mean, can you imagine issuing an order to a bunch of soldiers to bomb a residence of non-combatants that had little children and old people and civilians minding their own business? sitting there fixing dinner, and next thing you know is the bomb goes off from the missile that was launched by a country that's on your border, and they just don't care about you? The leader just doesn't care if you're blown to bits, if your baby is destroyed, or if you're crippled, because they want all right, power. Isn't that scary? Mm -hmm. That's why you have to be smart. That's why you have to do things quicker. And correctly, that's why you have to be cognizant of the shrinking world. You know, the human race is in all of this together. There's a lot of things happening. You know, if you go down to Central America and South America, the climates are changing. There are people that have had droughts for years that live on farmland. Then when it finally rains, it washes everything away. And the people drown. Or they have no more farm. And it's happening to thousands and hundreds of thousands of people so they have to migrate the world is really changing and we've pretty much uh, mixed up the globe right and one of the most irresponsible governments in the world when it comes to the environment of course is china and india isn't far behind not just population it's their attitude about the world we live on spaceship earth i mean they're fishing the pacific ocean down to nothing I mean, that's what, gee, that's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? All right.
So these things are scary, but they are intriguing. Okay. So the demands of current business, competition, and political situations require teams everywhere. People that work in teams, in nonprofits, private companies, okay, religious groups, to adopt a more rapid process for problem solving based on evidence. Because the old six and eight step process needs to be replaced today, needs to be replaced by something that closes the gap between problem definition and problem solving. All right? So to resolve this scenario, people have to begin to think about adopting rapid solutions and mobile platforms that can solve important problems wherever they are, right, when they happen. That's really something that's now make, becoming possible. All right. So with that, hello. Thanks for listening, right? What a way to start. Welcome to my podcast. It will be far-ranging, challenging surprising, insightful, informative, interesting, and even intriguing. It is brought to you by Systems Management Institute of, in Orlando, Florida. Check us out at www.smirsp.com. Your visit is more than welcome. We would appreciate it. You know, this is a company that's been 60 years in the making. No kidding. Probably changes every time I say that, right? Of course it does, because every day it's older. You know? So I'm glad you're here. Uh, you can tell from the introduction, there's some really important issues that we face. And of course, we always have. And we've resolved them for a while until they change. But you know, America has to uh, encounter the world differently. You know, our, our politicians, they take one step forward, two steps backward. People elect people based on emotional reasons. They don't really stop and think. You know, we spend more money on universities, education than any country in the world. Probably we spend more on education than all the world countries combined. Somebody ought to look that up. I might even be correct. But I would not be surprised if what the United States spends on education is more than the total spent on education around the world. I could be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised. That doesn't mean our people are more educated. I've known a lot of college professors. I've spent most, I mean, I'm in university. I study all the time, you know. And I've met a lot of great people. I've met a lot of smart people. But the smart versus the unsmart, the ratios are getting really out of whack. A lot of people now teach opinion as if it's fact and they tell you the way things should be think about this we have media everywhere but we use media to actually separate us from one another people more divided more argumentative they feel worse. They're more afraid than they've ever been because we have 24-7 news media. That's just a lot of BS and opinion. I would love to debate half those famous newscasters. Some of them are just not all there. And they've got jobs and they make millions of dollars. And they believe their own hype. That's their danger. They say superficial things and they believe their own hype because they're paid to do it. So they're for sale. Their ideas are for sale. What they really believe, how they're centered, who knows? You ever watch a TV show? And you listen to these guys and you'd say, do they really believe that stuff? I used to watch a TV show years ago called Hannity and Combs. Remember them? Hannity and Combs? Interesting. They go back and forth. One was a conservative and one was considered a liberal. They call them ultra-liberal progressives today. But I used to listen to these guys. I heard what they say. And I'd say to myself, Oh, that's just entertainment, right? That possibly they don't believe what they're saying. Can that be true? Oh, they can't believe that stuff. There's a guy named Bill O'Reilly. I used to listen to him as well for entertainment. I used to say, boy, oh boy, this guy knows everything in the world. No matter what the situation is, he has the answer. He has the solution. 
Yes, sir. Right. I, you want to know how to save the world? Call call Bill O'Reilly. You want to listen to this? You want to listen to that? Probably wasn't a bad guy, right? I think he went off the air because his sponsors got tired of him. You know? But the point I'm trying to make is there's a lot we think we know that we don't, and we should use that as a way to calm ourselves down. doesn't mean we don't know anything. but means we have to be more thoughtful. A lot of these people on TV that incite emotions that divide the country are not thoughtful. A lot of them are being taught what they're saying. Look at this lady who's the press secretary of the current president, Joe Biden. And you listen to her and you hear how she talks. You have to wonder when she goes home at night if she any feels any guilt. Because obviously, this is rehearsed. They limit what you can say. They don't want to exchange ideas. They just want to speak to a base because the base is uncritical or is driven by their feelings. It's all not human, you know. It's kind of inhumane way to be. It's very animalistic. You know, animals just don't sit down and say, let's play a game of chess and reason this. You know, that's how they're getting to be. They'll have these briefings and I have a 10 minute briefing and they'll say, here's the line today. Here's the line today. And people buy it. I mean, I hear things the president says that are so far out that Mars is next door to us. You know, I mean, look when they had the January 6th thing. Terrible, right? I mean, that's our Congress building. But these were citizens expressing their opinion, killing no one. That police officer that died, even his brother told you he wasn't killed by the mob. He died of natural causes, not even on that night. The only person that was killed was that lady who didn't know better. And she's killed by a security guard who already had things written up against him. And they're all just, they, they feed this stuff without a conscience. You know what happens when you lose your conscience? You become less human. That's right. And we have these divisions. I actually think we need more than two parties, huh? because the two parties aren't getting anything done to try to destroy the country. All right? You hear these people that come from places that come here and they get into Congress and they're young people and they used to run bars or be bartenders and now they're keeping jobs out in New York for thousands of people that can make a good living because they think they know better and they have all this insight. Well, some of it is true. They have some insight, but they have no program for it. For example, we have a problem with climate change. Although I know 12 Nobel Prize winning cause meteorologists, people in charge of climate, climate scientists, they're not in charge of it. What I mean is they study it, right? They think they're in charge of it. Probably not even that. 12 of them, Nobel Prize winners, who don't believe we're having climate change, they have another explanation for it. All right? Things change normally, naturally over time. All right? But here's the problem. We still have to adapt to it. We still have to protect one another. China isn't doing anything to protect us, nor is India. You look at this deal that they're trying to renegotiate, the climate Paris Accords, they sucked. All right, they weren't good. Here's the thing. Battery-driven automobiles, a lot of the other stuff they're coming out with are heavy pollutants, and they're going to require more coal power plants to produce the electricity that people can develop to charge their batteries. It's really not, it's a, not even a good stopgap. All right. The United States makes clean energy, if you can call it that, but compared to the refineries in the Soviet Union around the world, we're pretty good. We're cleaning this stuff, but it's still pollutant. All right. So we need new sources of energy. We should be developing it today. What is the government doing? Remember when that man, what was his name? Uh, Obama-Rama. Yeah, President Obama-Rama gave $500 million to that Solarinda because you're going to be the solar energy company, right? And they filed bankruptcy and some of these guys made a lot of money off the government. But they're doing nothing else. They didn't come back and say, okay, this is the program that we have. The government needs a good resource program. We need to do this, this, and this. So we can wean ourselves off the dirty fuels 
It's all or nothing. It's immediately. Biden becomes president, shuts down the pipeline, but he doesn't offer an alternative. I don't ever hear him say what it should be. My goodness gracious, we need solutions, not criticisms. And we need a path forward for the winding down the pollutants. We shouldn't even be using plastic bags anymore, right? For heaven's sakes. We should be beyond that. Or we should have a biodegradable plastic by now, right? We're smart. There's a lot of stuff we could be doing we're not doing. You know? So there are serious problems. Human beings are suffering. I hear the president talking today about food will be scarce because what we did to the Russians. And honestly, you know, Joe isn't running in anything. Good old Joe. He's poor guy. I mean, he's one of the factors that cost 2008. And those, everybody wanted people to have a house. No income, no asset. You could still get a loan. Wow. All right. They want to do mortgage-backed securities. There's money in that. So... We have to be informed voters, and uh, it's pretty intriguing. It's very interesting, but we have to get serious about managing our country. We have to quit selling our assets to China. Think about this. 90% of your medicine is made in China. Wow, they could easily poison you. You would never know it. not saying they're doing it. But they could. You know, we don't check everything that comes in. It's all, pick some out of the line. Check those. If they're okay, it's okay. But a lot go by. You know? So, we should be passing laws that protect American lives by protecting American assets. You know? We have to really think about what we're doing. You know, and, and uh, you know, if you can't do business in America, you can't do business anywhere. That's a fact. If you can't find a buyer in America, you can't find a buyer anywhere. The Chinese will come in and buy anything from you. You know, the military funds half of that stuff. We have people like Joe Biden. Now, let me ask you a question. I asked you this last time. Did you find out an answer? Here was the question. Why did Putin sanction Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Hillary Clinton personally from their assets in Russia? What are they doing with assets in Russia? You know, they were claiming that Donald Trump was doing all the collusion with the Russians. Where did these guys get their money? And by the way, did Hillary Clinton ever give money to the Haiti that was given to her foundation for Haiti? You know, right? And people vote for these people. What do they believe in? Holy Toledo. A lot of times they don't know. It's well hidden or people don't listen to the news and you can't blame them for that. Right? So. Think about this. There was a man years ago. Born even before me. Because I'm, you know, I'm, I hit that 39 level. Past 39. Okay, and this is what he said. Pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. If you do what you like, you do better work. You know, a lot of people have jobs just because they have to have a job. They're not really going to put themselves into it. Aristotle said that. Aristotle, brilliant guy. He was so smart, he created concepts they didn't have words for, so he created an entire vocabulary that explained what he was talking about. That's right. Aristotle, pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. You know, we talk about employee rights a lot because employees can get screwed, you know, treated bad. People look at them indifferently. But, you know, here's the other thing. You do a lot for employees, they put it to you also, Right? I mean, I can tell you when I ran a company one time, we did a lot of social experimentation about how best to serve the employees. And we would give them perks that were really unusual. And did they improve their behavior? No. Did they work harder? No. What they do is they demanded it more. Like we would, what? 
give them three-day weekends, have them work 32 hours a week and pay them for 40. And they would demand their Fridays off if an emergency came in and they had to work, which is very rare. They would complain. They wanted double time for working on that Friday. They were already being paid for Friday and for not being there. But most of them, not all of them, developed attitudes about what they were entitled to. When a person came in that was totally out of control, you know what I'd say to them? I want you to get your entitlements. You're entitled to quit. How's that? We're paying you 40 hours for 32 hours work. You have to come in on a Friday for an emergency for a client, and you want double time. You're already getting paid for not being there as a courtesy so you can have three-day weekend with your family. There's never a thank you. They just get angry. A lot of them that would have these attitudes. So here's what I learned. When you interview an employee, tell them what the job is, answer their questions honestly, give them a contract for so many hours, what they're expected to do and what their salary is. And you always negotiate the contract and you manage the contract. That's it. Here's another thing. When a person's doing a really good job, if you tell them they're doing a good job too often, they quit doing a good job. You'll hear things like, hey, we can get away with this race, a good old guy. All right. I had a friend of mine tell me one time, Ray, you really mean what you say, but they don't believe it when you say it because you're such a nice guy. Really? I said, you got to be kidding me. He says, no. Because you wear your heart on your sleeve and you say the way it is in black and white. And they don't believe that you mean what you say. That if you do this, you're going to get in trouble. And when they do it and they get in trouble, they're angry with you. Because they didn't believe you were telling the truth. Isn't that interesting? You see? We are a piece of work. You know what? All human beings are work in progress. But some people quit progressing a long time ago. You know, I talk about the virtue of self-care, a cardinal virtue. It's very, very important that we develop the capacity. We all have the capacity, just about all of us. But we develop the capability of self-care. We want to be grown up. We want to be able to take care of ourselves as much as we can. So that doesn't mean bad things won't happen and we'll need help, won't need help. All of us won't get through life without help. You know, think about it. But what I'm saying to you is it goes two ways. Pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. People who love what they do will take pride in what they do. A lot of people in the workplace don't love what they do and they have no pride in what they do. I learned that since the virus came along. I have to do so much online or on the phone with people and they really don't give a rat's ass, right? You heard that expression before, I'm sure. And they'll sit there and they'll lie to you and you know they're lying to you. All right, I called somebody the other day about some information in healthcare. They said, okay, give us your number, your member number. Give the member number. They said, you're not a member with us. Sorry. That was it. Of course I was a member. I had to call some call again. I got somebody else. They said to me, what's your membership number? I told them. I gave it to them. They said, and I could hear the baby crying in the background. And they said, sorry, you, you're not a member. We don't have a num We don't have your membership. Sorry. Hang up. Called a third person. Same thing. Called the, Now, the third person had a bunch of people in the background laughing like they're playing Monopoly or something, right? Or something else. So she got off the phone really quick. And finally the fourth call was a guy. And he talked to me. And he said, what's your membership number? Here we go again. I gave it to him. He said, yes, what can I help you with, Dr. Newkirk? What's up? I said, you have my number? Of course I have your number. I said, do you have multiple systems? No. We all have the same system. Why? Well, I called four people. You're the fourth. And you told me that I'm a member. Well, you are. I said, yeah, I know. But the other three didn't want to deal with it. That really happened just a week ago. You see? Because they're having fun at work, right? At home. That's okay if they do their job. That's what they're paid for. Can you imagine if they were your employees? 
And the other thing that's happened, of course, is that so many people had to work from home now. They can't go back to work now because they can't get babysitters. Or some of their home, their child care was closed. So it's a different world. And we have to accommodate and we all have to grow up. And that's what's lacking. Maturity and insight. All right? So it would be great if people could get jobs that they have pleasure in. And then they'll do a better job. That's what Aristotle is trying to say. So if you're an employer, you have to manage, right, by putting people on the right job. You have to pair people with the job more properly, more appropriately, and hire the right people. You know, let me get a drink of water here in just a second. Mm. That's really good. Mm. It's really hot tea. It's not water, but it's got water in it, right? So preparation matters, friends. So the question comes up, how can you employ abundant applied intuitive solutions to rapidly solve problems? Since it's so important, what do you need to do? Well, you prepare targeted problem-solving stories derived from experience. You think about how you solve things in the past. You employ the integrated work task as action plans with deliverables. You're going to have to do things now to solve the problem. What are those things you're going to have to do? That's your action plans. And those action plans say, when you do this or you do that, this is what changes. That's your deliverable. And you use internet delivery of applied intuitive solutions to deliver virtual solutions. So you've come up with a story about the problem. And that's derived from the experience with the problem. Either you experienced it or somebody else is, and they have to tell you. So you make it a story. What happened? What you were doing? What went bad? And you take your time because you got to get the story right because that's the beginning of solution definition, a problem definition. Then you have to start thinking about how you're going to solve it. What work tasks are you going to have to do? Then you go out online and you go to a platform that provides internet delivery of applied intuitive solutions. And you'll say, how can I improve the performance of my team, for example? How can I do that? And you type it in or you speak it in. And it will come out with you with an action plan. And you compare it to what you've come up with. And you can correct your ideas. And you can even skip the first two steps if you got to. But you have to have the right how-to question. And that will deliver your virtue solutions. And that's a solution that has been applied to a similar problem or identical problem around the world multiple times in different cultures, and it has always worked. Yeah. Isn't that neat? I bet you didn't even know that was even possible there were such a things as that out there. There are. I knew a guy in Russia that started working on it in the 19... What? A long time ago, let me just say that. They call it TRIX, T-R-I-X. The Russians have a way of doing it with the mechanical stuff. It wasn't just that. Now it's a worldwide thing. Research institutes in Europe and America have institutes dedicated to this concept. But you didn't know that, did you? Unless you're affiliated with them. It's a big deal. It's changing the world of problem solving. Right? So you prepare. Right? So how can you employ abundant applied intuitive solutions to rapidly solve problems of performance? You begin to redesign your problem-solving process using virtuality. Think about what you can do in virtual real time. So to do that, you have to work smarter and faster, leveraging intelligent technologies need a new kind of technology that's available. SMI specializes in that. Systems Management Institute, the company that is the sponsor of my podcast, specializes in that. They have probably thousands of terabytes of intelligent solutions based on evidence. They have more than anybody in the world, I bet you. And that allows you to work smarter and faster leveraging intelligent technology. Isn't that something? It impresses me. 
You know how to go to heaven? Have somebody impress the hell out of you. Joke, right? It's kind of true, isn't it? So you focus on doing the right things right. Right? It's not about efficiency. It's about effectiveness. You know the difference, right? Efficiency is about doing things right. You can do the wrong things right. You can be very efficient doing the wrong things. A lot of problem solving is very efficient but not effective because you get the wrong answers. So you focus on doing the right things right. So efficiency and effectiveness must be complementary, my friends. Can't do one without the other, right? That's when you really got great solution. But it's more important to be effective. Always be effective. You don't always have to be efficient. But you got to be effective. And then you promote simplification in their process. How can you make it simple? Complex systems will remain complex. But they can become more intelligible using applied intuitive solutions. And that makes it simpler. So redesign your problem solving using virtuality, using virtual technologies. Focus on doing the right things right and promote simplification and process. Isn't that neat? Wow. You can do a lot today. And you can be a small company and use this. It's good for small companies and medium-sized companies. It's outstanding. You know? So, here's another question for you. How can you employ abundant applied intuitive solutions to rapidly solve performance problems? You build your soft skills by gaining easy access to applied intuitive solutions to eliminate or reduce the training gap. How much time have you spent in training programs when you're new already? You're never going to use that stuff and you're going to forget it quite quickly. Most of success, not all, most of success is soft skills success. To be heard, you've got to be liked. To be supported, you can't terrorize people. There are already people out there hoping that Putin dies. Nobody's going to shed any tears over him. He's bought that on himself. Solve problems rapidly by gaining easy access to applied intuitive solutions to eliminate or reduce the consulting delivery knowledge transfer gap. Think about this. It's Friday evening, right? Imagine this. I've been there. You probably have too. Getting ready to go home for the weekend. You got a dinner party at 7 o'clock on Friday night. It's 5 o'clock. You want to get out of work. And all of a sudden, somebody runs in and says, Boss, we have a problem. And you say, okay, call the consultant. Well, the consultant we use is not available until next Wednesday. If he comes in tomorrow, it's triple time. What do we do? What do we do? Find another consultant. It's Friday night at 7 o'clock. There's consultants out there. But that could take us all weekend. We need to solve. We need to start solving the problem now. So what we're facing is a consulting delivery knowledge transfer gap. I'll say it again: knowledge transfer gap between the problem, solution, and consulting delivery. They can't always be there when you need them, but you can solve the problems rapidly by gaining access. To apply intuitive solutions. Yeah. Exceptional performance requires an exceptional problem solving process that can leverage previous experience to enhance current challenges. I think that's a pretty powerful statement. Let me see if I can remember how I said that. Uh, exceptional performance requires an exceptional problem solving process. Would you agree with that? Because something has to change and it can't be business as usual. We're talking about exceptional performance now. So it requires an exceptional problem-solving process. 
and most are not. The six to eight step process is not exceptional. And to do that, we have to be able to leverage previous experience to enhance current challenges because it helps us understand the possibilities. You understand all that, right? Exceptional performance requires, I'm taking notes, trying to write this out for you. An exceptional problem solving process that, let's see, that's still T-H-A-T, can, C-A-N, leverage previous experience to enhance current challenges. Now, how does that stuff come up to me? I don't know, but it kind of makes sense because it's based on experience. Yes, experience matters. That's why some countries really revere those who have a lot of experience. All right. We live in a country where a lot of people that have 10 minutes with of effort consider themselves exceptional. Because one of the things that made America great once in a while was his lack of humility, huh? It wasn't humility that won World War II. It's a can-do attitude and a lot of sacrifice. So how can I employ abundant applied intuitive solutions to rapidly solve performance problems? Build your soft skills by gaining easy access to applied intuitive solutions, or AIS, to eliminate or reduce the training gap because you can learn quicker. Some of the stuff you learn in training does not help you and you will never ever use it or hear about it again. When I was in university, one of the things, which is almost all the time, one of the things I learned is that there's a lot of people teaching stuff they've never done. They have absolutely no experience doing it anywhere. That's a downer, isn't it? Solve problems rapidly by gaining easy access to AIS, Applied Intuitive Solutions. An exceptional performance requires exceptional problem solving. That can leverage previous experience to enhance current challenges. One of the things that you'll hear me use and say a lot is the word leverage. 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 The art of the deal. Donald Trump wrote a book like that. Remember that? Yeah, don't, don't get angry. It's about leverage. You know, how can you get more for the buck? How can you get one person to do the job of three people? That's leveraging one person without working them harder than they should. How can you simplify the job of a person so they can do the job of three people and not work harder? Virtuality. Yes. Think about it. We have companies today that are billion-dollar companies with comparably a handful of employees. 25 years ago, you've told somebody you're going to do that. They think you were nuts. Impossible. You have to have thousands of employees. You see. Now, the shame of it is not everybody likes technology and wants to learn technology. One of the happiest years of my life is when I got rid of my cell phone. Yeah. I missed the old phones where the phone would ring and you'd have to dial it and it would be there and you'd have to go to the phone and sit there and talk to somebody on the phone. That had a certain legacy about it of connection that was different. This idea of people calling you wherever you are anytime they need to is much, it's a burden as much as it is a gift. Excuse me. I think you know that, don't you? Don't you ever just get tired of your cell phones? I see people there even. I talked to people, somebody the other day, I was talking to them, tell me about your computer. They show me their cell phone. That's it. They do everything they need with all their apps and everything on their cell phone. It's one of the greatest inventions in the history of the human race. Although I haven't figured out what we're racing to. But it is absolutely, man, I remember this guy, Steve Jobs. Talk about a workhorse. I talked about him yesterday. I'm glad he grew up and changed a bit. You know? 
Wow. So, my friends, insight number eight. What we think determines what happens to us. Did you know that? So if we want to change our lives, we need to stretch our minds. Wayne Dyer, one of my old buddies from Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, before he moved on. What we think determines what happens to us. So if we want to change our lives, we need to stretch our minds. You want to argue about that? Just think about it. It's intuitive. It's intuitive. You know it's right. Nothing can stop the man or the woman with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal or her goal. Nothing on earth can help that man or woman with the wrong mental attitude. Let me say that again. I changed it a little bit. I'll say it in its original form. Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. This also applies to women. Now, quiz number one. Who said that? You have 10 seconds. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Time's up. Thomas Jefferson. Yep. See how important attitude is? You've heard me talk about that. How important it is to stretch your minds. Both of these men above make sense. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson and Wayne Dyer make a lot of sense. The right mental attitude is crucial. And so is thinking the right stuff. What do you think? Do you have the right mental attitude to answer this question? Or do you still need to think about it? They make sense to me. The right mental attitude is crucial. And so is thinking the right stuff. What do you think? Do you have the right mental attitude to answer this question? Or do you still need to think about it? I'll give you a second to think about it. Time's up. You know, let's see. I've been in college, in graduate school, 7, 14, 21, 28. I spent 30 years in graduate school. Yeah. I'm still doing studies. I'm still going to schools. I'm still doing institutes. And out of all of my education, my first doctorate was in the philosophy of science. I loved philosophy. Yeah, I loved Greek. I was fluent, not in Greek, but in Latin. I could write and read Latin. I started Latin when I was a young boy. Probably in the third grade, I started studying Latin. I loved that ancient language, you know. A lot of people were using Latin in medicine and psychology, psychiatry, and church, right? Yeah, I loved Latin. My first graduate language was Russian. Yeah. When I was in the sixth grade, I started studying Spanish. Screwed up my English. Ever since I took Spanish into sixth grade, I haven't been to same sense. Just kidding. Okay, but I started with Spanish in the sixth grade. Started with the English, I think, uh, what, last year? On the kindergarten, I think. And studied a lot of languages. Wrote a book in Arabic. Yeah. Been around languages, studied different things. Uh, and the thing I learned is some languages are harder than others. But We can communicate in many ways, even not using words, like with pictures, sign language, intuitive communications, just by glances. But I will tell you one thing I've learned everywhere I've been. People want solutions. Yeah. They want solutions. They want, 
And to get solutions, they have to expand their mind. And they have to have the right mental attitude. How many times have you heard, can't happen, can't do it, will you never be able to do it? I mean, I've read scientists from 100 years ago that would say, we know everything there is to know now. We have nothing new to discover. A couple of times I've ran into scientists who have said that. Bad science, right? Do you know what makes a waterfall? Mm-hmm. You're not a geologist? You don't have to be a geologist. What makes a waterfall? What do you mean that's a grave question? It's tripped by a log, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. Every time I see a waterfall, it seems like I see a log in the middle of the water. So the log must be causing the waterfall, right? Because they're always related. Bad science, right? It's very difficult to tell a cause in effect to get it right. Where there's smoke, there must be fire. Not true, is that? I've seen smoke when there's no fire. Just before it erupts in fire, you can see smoke. So you hear all these things. You really have to think. You really have to expand your mind. You really have to get beyond appearances. In your thinking, when you listen, you have to develop a critical attitude about what you're hearing. You need to study logic and reasoning as an adult. I mean, you have so much stuff out there. People talk about what? CRT. You know what CRT is? A cathode ray tube. So everybody's talking about CRT, CRT. So listen, I'm over 39, so I'm thinking CRT is cathode ray tube. That's what you put into a TV in the old days. Or a monitor, right? So I'm sitting there listening to these talks about CRT, and I don't understand what they're talking about because I have colored TV, and I have a colored monitor. Yeah. And they're saying, you got to watch out how you handle those things because you're being denied your rights. Somebody had explained to me what CRT was. 1619 Project, of course, that's all wrong, right? Because they weren't there at 1619. They don't know. They're putting their faith in somebody else so they can stir up trouble. That's not the way out, of course. The only way people are going to live in harmony is by living in harmony, all right? Oh, well. They don't get it. So, what we think determines what happens to us. So think about that. So if we want to change our lives, we need to stretch our minds. And nothing can stop the man and woman with the right mental attitude from achieving his or her goal. Nothing on earth can help the man or woman with wrong mental attitude. These are important statements that were made by important people. You know, go with your thinking, learn to reason, not just feel. You know, listen to what your emotions are telling you. All right? So, we're at the facts of life. Let's talk about facts. There are some great people who do nothing. They are great at that. Learning from them is simply wonderful. You learn quite a bit about nothing. Yeah. You ever meet those kind of people? There are some great people out there who do nothing. And what makes them great? Because they're great at doing nothing, ladies and gentlemen, friends and Romans. Learning from them is simply wonderful because you learn quite a bit about nothing because you don't have to extend yourself because they've got nothing to teach you. So if you want words of wisdom, don't pay attention to the people that do nothing. The good thing about doing nothing is that everyone will remember you forever. Yeah, he's that guy that did absolutely nothing. Had nothing to say because he had no experience. I tell you what, you get a reputation at work for doing nothing, nobody will forget you. And they'll be happy when you leave. In fact, they will throw a going away party for you two days after you're gone. Celebrate, celebrate, right? So, I have met people. You know what uh, some people do today? They have terms for it like gaslighting, right? 
I don't even like that word, gaslighting. You should go to them about, listen, go to them about a problem. You need their help to help solve it. And they start telling you about how hard their life is. And they'll sit there and they'll talk to you for two hours about how hard their life is. You know, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go through that. You have to learn how to handle that. You really have to be forceful so you can finish what you're saying so they can participate. And then you find out that they will never participate because they will come up with so many reasons why nothing you say will work. You see? Like, hey, Bill, can you tell me where the nearest gas station is? My tire's a little bit low. And Bill will say, you know, I used to have a car too. And I ran in that car and three telephone poles fell on it one day. And my goodness, I had to be carried away to the hospital because I had sprung my toe when the telephone pole and they'll go on and they'll go on and you have to interject and you have to interject, but they don't want to do anything. You see, and they'll just lead astray and they will digress and they will diverge and they will do all kinds of emotional, psychological problems. And you're saying, how come I have to work with this person? We should have a going away party for them. I once worked with a guy who had a lot of siblings. I mean, his mother almost had a dozen children. Could have had, a, could have had a dozen. And he was the youngest, so he learned to hide, to be invisible. No kidding. That kept him out of trouble. That kept him from being picked on. I guess I don't know. He was a hider, and it worked. He was very, very good at that. Never spoke up. Never t took a position. Never did anything, but he knew how to hire consultants. And he was a survivor. Because the bosses he was not offensive to because he never argued with them. He was always a pleasant guy. You couldn't help but like him. And the bosses kind of liked him, but eventually he had to move on because he never did anything. Right? And they will only tolerate you doing nothing for so long. And then they really need production. You know? Interesting guy. You know? The good thing about doing nothing is that everyone will remember you forever. And when you asked about this guy after he was gone, they all knew him. Oh, he was the gas light, the gas light champion of the world. Oh, this guy never delivered anything. Oh, I got behind. Then people would say, you know, I learned to be very good on the job because of him. Since he couldn't help me, I had to do it myself, and I got very good on the job doing it myself. I learned a lot because he wasn't there to do his job. I had to do it for him. And they wouldn't be angry. And they'd go out and make more money because they were smarter and they'd get better jobs. And they'd ask for promotions. Two sides to the coin, right? Some people believe in self-care. So when you meet a person like that who is good for doing nothing, again, you become better with self-care. You know, I used to tell my people, never bring me a problem without recommending a solution. And then I found out they quit bringing me problems because they didn't have a solution. you got to be careful what you say. It sounds good, don't, don't you bring me a problem without a solution. I'm assuming they're smart enough to give me a solution. They are. But they got to have the will, right? So I had to change. If you don't bring me a problem that you find. We cannot work together to find a solution. And they all wanted to work with the boss. You know? So you have to, you have to lead, right? You have to get solutions. So the fact of life is there are some people who are great at doing nothing. They're great at that. And learning from them is simple, simply wonderful. Because you learn quite a bit about nothing. Isn't that just simply wonderful? Of course it's not. Once you learn to quit, my friends, it becomes a habit. Because you had to learn to quit, which means you had to do it more than once, right? Once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. You know who said that? Vince Lombardi. For you youngsters out there, he was a great, great football coach. Wonderful football coach. Worked his people. 
epitome of professionalism. Football Hall of Fame kind of guy. You know what quitters do really well? They quit. You know what I tell people? If you're really upset and can't stand your job and you really decided to go, don't tell anybody at all that you're going to quit. Get your job lined up. It's easier to get a new job when you got a job. Get your job lined up, interview, get hired, and turn in your notice. And be wiser the next time. And hope you get a boss that manages you by the contract that you agree to, verbal or written. But don't be a quitter. What you do is you move on. You be a joiner. You know, when you start out at a company and you get to a point where things slow down for you and you're ready to move on, you move on for a higher level job. Go for the next job. A lot of people are promoted through life by getting higher level jobs with their next job because they're ready for it. Don't work a job below you unless you absolutely have to, but when you can, get out of that. Be a joiner, not a quitter. See, people quit and just sit around, sit around and do nothing. They take unemployment and consider that their pension. I have met people who came to here from other countries to get benefits, and one of them was unemployment. They get a job, get laid off, and they were really happy. They wouldn't go back to work until the wives would divorce them because their kids had to go to school. You know, there are cultures where women do all the work. You know, and the kid, the guys never grow up because they're raised like little boys all the time. And the women are given all the tasks. I once went, listen, a long time ago when I was a young man, probably not 20, I visited a country where all the important jobs were held by women. It was an island. I really loved the place. Yeah. Not far from Spain. The name of the city was Palma de Mallorca. And at the time, wherever I went, women were running everything. The guys weren't doing much of anything. I was stunned. Yeah. So on my way to Italy to do a job. As a young man already, I'm traveling. I'm seeing the world. All right. But I was amazed that every time I went somewhere, there was a boss I had to talk to it was a female. Right? And she spoke really good Spanish. But I was amazed, and they did such a good job, and they were so polite. But I met their husbands, or I met their brothers, and they were like on vacation all the time. I said, wow, what a strange culture, I thought. Well, I found out that's pretty common around the world. Some guys do nothing. And women do it all. It's the way they raised their kids, I think. Just an opinion. I'm not an expert on it. But it leaves you with a funny taste, right? So don't be a quitter. Be a joiner. What I mean is you move up and you learn more and you do better. And you negotiate your job and negotiate your salary. Learn these as skills. And the other thing is nobody owes you anything except what you contract for. If somebody offers you a job at $100,000 a year or $100 a week, and you agree to that, that's what they owe you. If you want more than that, that's up to you. To get new skills and negotiate better the next time. And you learn quick. See, be a joiner. And you do that by having something to offer. You know, I used to see this. A lot of times people would be working job and they'd go to school and they'd work and go to school and they'd graduate. They expect a raise or a promotion and they don't get it. Why? Because the company is already satisfied with the job you're doing for them. So they see no sense on promoting you. So you got a degree now and a specialty, big whoop, right? So all these people go to other companies at higher levels because now they have that degree and they have experience. Okay, here's the other thing. It's better to work your way through school than to get a loan and go to school straight through or have somebody else pay it. I meet so many people where the parents sacrifice to send their kids to college, and you don't need to do that in this country. And they say to me, my child shouldn't have to work to go to school. And yet, a good recruiter, when you get out of college, they want to know what jobs you had in school. And the person that worked their way through school that still maintained good grades always comes in first, most of the time, maybe not always. But they get the nod you won't get. 
I know people that worked their way through. They commuted 50 miles one way to get to school. They'd go in at, to work at 6.18 in the morning, 6.15 in the morning. And they'd go to school at 8 o'clock at night to 10 o'clock at night. And the school was 50 miles away. I know people who did that personally. I did that for a while. I worked full time. I drove to school. Came home at night. And I did my homework. I graduated with honors. All right? You can do it. You see? Where's your desire? What attitude? How have you been raised? And I meet moms and dads who have means and they say, my kid will never have to work. You know what I say? Too bad. You know? I know people who are very well off who share my attitude. You know? So, keep that in mind. It is no shameful thing to work your way through school. It's a great thing. And if you can get your grades, you can get a scholarship. There's plenty available. You know, I've had people say to me, I would never, ever do what you did. But they wanted what I wanted. And they wanted to do what I did. But they weren't willing to pay the price. They weren't willing to get the education nor work hard. But they wanted it anyway. And they'd get a, an attitude about it. Isn't that something? Well, so guess what? Our time is up on episode 8. Thank you for joining me on this discussion about achieving exceptional performance. I will be back with episode nine next week. You know, this is Dr. Raymond L. Newkirk, Systems Management Institute, Orlando, Florida, 407-864-7756. R. Newkirk at SMILC dot info www.smirsp.com and forever forward ladies and gentlemen friends and romans move forward don't move backward go forward go into the future prepare yourself get smart you know you want to live longer be a lover a lover of life a lover of others respecter make a decision to love, not to hate, you'll feel better. And that's important. You know? So, thank you for listening. We'll continue with this discussion soon. And thank you for joining us. And please subscribe. I really appreciate all of you for being here. So, good night.